I'm Paul Levinson, and welcome to Light On, Light Through, episode 119. My review of the final season, the final season of The Man in the High Castle, and that would be season number four, which debuted on Amazon Prime Video just yesterday, November 15th, 2019. Boy, what a series, what a final season, what a story. Now, I've been saying ever since Trump began running for president with his anti-immigration policies that the man in the high castle and its alternate reality of a literally Nazi America had special relevance to the reality in which we now all reside in America, in which the Allies, not the Nazis, won the Second World War. In the final season of this extraordinary adaptation of Philip K. Dick's extraordinary 1962 novel, immigration does play a major role in the story, and especially in the very last scene of the series. Now, there are spoilers ahead, so if you don't want to know what happens in this extraordinary final season, you probably should stop listening. Anyway, although that story, the story of immigration, and that image in which the series concluded are crucial to we the people on both sides of the screen, the characters and their stories, that's one side of the screen, and the other side, the one in which we are watching. There are more parts of this final season that I liked even more. The details, as always in this series, were provocative pleasures to behold. Abinson presents an alternate Twilight Zone on American Reich TV, intoning in Rod Sterling's style, The High Castle, or In the High Castle, and all the various riffs that Sterling did when he said The Twilight Zone at the beginning and sometimes at the end of every episode. That was one great detail. Japanese and Nazis in America exchanged bows and sig heils just as we saw in prior seasons, but Kido and Smith shake hands as the Japanese and the German Nazis later recede from America. A striking evolution of symbolic gestures. Another great example, years earlier, as the American military struggles with whether to continue fighting the Nazis after the Nazis nuke Washington, D.C. in this alternate history. One American officer notes that, quote, Patton shook hands with Goring, unquote, meaning the war is over. Another officer counters, however, that, quote, Ike is gathering men, unquote, for the resistance. Of course, in this reality, the reality that we're watching on the screen, the reality that is the home reality of the man in the high castle, 
It's the patent quote which wins. Now, in this season, much more attention is given to exactly how this alternate America came to be. And the vehicle is full-fledged access to our reality in which we won the war, an access much more satisfying in the narrative than the I Ching glimpses and snippets of movies we were provided in earlier seasons. I was never a big fan of the I Ching mode of getting from one reality to the other. I tend to favor technology. I guess that shows I'm more of a science fiction fan than a fantasy fan. But John Smith from the American Reich visits our reality via the Nazi technology. His wife Helen in our reality finds Nazi John more sexually robust than her husband who, unbeknownst to her in this reality, has been killed by another American Reich operative who crossed realities into our reality. And I have to say, by the way, superb performances throughout by both Rufus Sewell uh, as the notorious John Smith and Chila Horstal. I hope that's the way you pronounce her name, as uh, his wife, Helen. John is overjoyed that Thomas is alive and healthy in our reality, but is heartbroken and furious when Thomas walks off with Marines to fight in Vietnam, echoing when Thomas walked off in the American Reich to be put to death because of his illness. These parallels, palpable echoes of one reality into the other, provide a haunting foundation for everything that happens in this final season of The Man in the High Castle. In the Japanese-American West, Kido has his own life-rending difficulties with his son. There's no interplay of alternate realities in the Japanese part of this season, mainly, I guess, because Tagomi and his I Ching play almost no active role, given that Tagomi is killed in the opening scene in the very first episode of this new season, which I have to say I regretted. A great character and a great actor. Juliana picks up the I Ching torch on the East Coast, in contrast to the Nazis who, as I've said before, traveled to alternate realities via technology. So the protagonist in the West is now 100% Keto, who struggles against all odds to become a better person and succeeds. The Black Communist Rebellion along with Childan's capacity to survive against all odds, also play a major role out west. But the locus of the story and action remains in New York City and its environments, my hometown where I still teach and where I live pretty close by. Smith always manages to outwit the German Nazis, now led by Himmler and Adolf Eichmann. In the end, 
Well, I won't reveal exactly what happens to you in case you've only seen part of the final season when you're reading this. But I will say that I didn't think what Smith tried to do, the order that he gave, the last order that he gave was entirely or even well motivated. He was already free of German Nazi control, so whose demon was he following? His own? Why? The overall series, and this last season in particular, could be seen as Smith struggling to find his better self, the American that he was before the Germans dropped the bomb. There was ample reason to think that maybe he had. But this disappointment, though it pertains to the central, pivotal character, did not mar the impact of this powerful, brilliant, and so very timely series for me. Too bad Philip K. Dick wasn't alive to see it. But I did. And I'll always be profoundly glad for that. The Light on Light Through podcast. Well, I hope you enjoyed that review of the final season of The Man in the High Castle. I'll be back soon with another review or some commentary on something. And I'll also be talking more about my new album, Welcome Up. Songs of Space and Time, which will be released in the next month or two. It's now November 2019, so you can Google that, and I'll have some music for that in some of the episodes ahead. In the meantime, enjoy. Athens, 2042 AD. She ripped the paper in half, then ripped the halves, then ripped what was left again into bits and pieces of history that could have been. Sierra Waters had read once that, years ago, it was thought that men made love for the thrill, while women made love for the sense of connection it gave them. Curled up with a good book says, Sierra Waters is sexy as hell. You can find out more about The Plot to Save Socrates by Paul Levinson at theplottosavesocrates.com. Paul Levinson spilled code about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries. 